0: Yep, you heard that correctly. That was not edited together. Welcome back to another episode of Star Wars in the Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. This is episode 52, but it has the honor of being one of the first episodes of Star Wars in the Galaxy since like February of 2020 that we have done sitting like a few feet from each other. We are in person to record this episode of Star Wars in the Galaxy. It's crazy. Very exciting, yes. It, yeah, um, and so this week we watched, um, the Citadel arc, um, uh, of Star Wars The Clone Wars, um, that is the Citadel counterattack and Citadel rescue, um, here are the three, um, from late season three of Star Wars The Clone Wars. But anyway, welcome back to Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I'm Eli. I'm Jacob. And... Before we get into all of that, let's get into our Bad Batch review. A new episode of the Bad Batch came out this week. Um, that episode of the Bad Batch was um, called Decommissioned. Um, in Decommissioned, uh, the Batch, along with Omega, goes on a mission to Corellia to receive the hit of a tactical droid. Um, and there they encounter, um, from Season 7 of The Clone Wars... Uh, Rafa and Trace Martez, and hijinks ensue, and which um ends with a factory on Corellia being destroyed, and the information from the tactical droid being delivered to Rafa, Trace, and a mystery informant who they're giving it to. Uh, yeah. What did you think of decommissioned?
1: I liked it. I thought it was one of the best episodes so far. Um, I tend to agree. I yeah. loved watching Omega kind of learning how to use the bow and becoming more proficient as the episode goes on i loved getting to see um rafa and trace again and see what happened to them after order 66 pick up where we left off a little bit last year from season seven of the clone wars um we're a little scared about wrecker you know he hit his head obviously his inhibitor chip went off um something happened there so i'm not too sure what's gonna happen there i'm a little anxious but uh yeah, overall, it was a good episode. Um, very exciting. Lots of action. I loved it.
0: I saw something that um in Alex Damon from Star Wars Explains' review of this episode that I thought was interesting and made me appreciate the episode a little bit more, which was about the programmed clones, um, the previously programmed, al- although with Wrecker, we might still see them being programmed, the previously programmed clones fighting with the actually programmed droids, you know, we see Wrecker say, Wrecker do the infamous "uh good soldiers follow orders earlier in the episode, but then we hear one of the battle droids say, orders are orders.
1: Yeah, I like that touch too.
0: Which really clues you into the fact that maybe the clones and the droids aren't that different really after all. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, It's a, it's an eerie addition, but then again, the Martez sisters are always so great to see in my opinion. Um... It's it's really interesting to see now the two other arcs from Season 7 of the Clone Wars uh, converge into one. I, I like the episode. I'm, I'm waiting with big breath for the Rex episode because I know it's coming. Well, should we get into this? Uh, let's
1: do it. The Citadel. In this first episode, um, they find out that Evan P.L. is being held hostage in the maximum security separatist prison, the Citadel. So naturally, the Jedi decide they're going to stage a big heroic rescue to get him out. There's Anakin, there's Obi-Wan, there's Cody, and Ahsoka, who Anakin doesn't want to come along, but Ahsoka ends up sneaking along anyway because they're all carbon frozen. So she sneaks into the carbon freezing machine once Anakin is already out cold. They arrive on the planet unscathed. And they embark on this very uh, heisty kind of quest to uh, to get inside and get Evan Piel. Um they lose some men along the way, but by the by the end of this episode, um they have Evan Piel at the end of this, right? I can't remember exactly where this one was Yeah, saw.
0: They have Evan Piel. Yes.
1: So they get captured, they get freed again, they have Evan Piel, and they're on their way.
0: Yeah. Um, one of the most important parts of the episode is that I think you might have forgotten about. i forgot about it. Yes, they're
1: not just rescuing Evan PL to be Oh, nice. they're rescuing Tarkin. No, they're not. Oh, right. No, the intel. Shoot, man, I forgot about that. Yeah, there's intel. Um, Evan PL has memorized half of the coordinates of an incredibly important hyperspace route that would be a direct secret link in between Coruscant and the Separatist homeworlds. So obviously, it is of utmost tactical importance. Utmost importance.
0: The only reason I'm emphasizing that so much is as we'll see, that detail is extremely important to this entire arc and the moral implications of this entire arc. But let's get to our fortune cookie here, which is adaptation is the key to survival.
1: This is a uh, kind of a truism of a fortune cookie. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um,
0: Yeah. If... Uh, if you're not, if you're not willing to make adjustments to your plan, the plan isn't going to work. Um, you know, there's that line, I don't know where I heard it, a plan is only as good as those who see it through. Um, and like, if the, if the people who carry out a plan don't have the acumen to adjust it when parts of it inevitably fail... Um, then they're goners, basically. Um, and we see throughout this arc, not just in this episode, them constantly having to adjust the plan because there are just so many unpredictable factors, um, in this arc. They're, they're, because as they will say in the episode, they can't get scans because of how high security this prison is. So they have very old archive data that sometimes just isn't correct. Um, or, you know, they've updated the prison or they, have you know, made adjustments here and there and all that kind of stuff. So they, they have to, they have to adjust on the fly to, uh, to compensate for that lack of knowledge. Yes. Yeah. Um, um yeah.
1: And I think that pretty much is this episode, you know, they just keep running an obstacle after obstacle. Um, weird. and in terms of obstacles, um, and adaptation pretty early on, you know, they become very glad that Ahsoka is there um at least Obi-Wan is when Ahsoka you know crawls through the air vent um to get them inside but I think in terms of adaptation also in the repartee between Tarkin and Anakin you know they get some they they have a lot of dialogue you know do the Jedi go far enough do they go too far do they not go far enough um I think that shows that the Jedi often don't necessarily want to adapt but the question is, should they adapt? Because at least Tarkin's Tarkin's definition of adaptation will be do whatever it takes, and obviously the Jedi, their M O is they don't do whatever it takes. You know they have to, they have to be honorable and they have to be humane.
0: That's kind of what we're seeing a lot in the Bad Batch these days. Is the Batch towing the line between what they want, what they think is necessary, and what they think is right? That's another um. Th- that's, in, in, in keeping with that third fortune cookie from Citadel Rescue, um, that we'll witness later on, um, so we'll get back to that, um, so yeah, one of the first things that, um, I thought about this art here, here we go, as I was mentioning earlier, um, one of the re- most recurring themes in the Clone Wars in general is, why do the Jedi fail? Um, And we see now that the Jedi fail... One of the reasons is that they're focused on the wrong thing. They're not trying to rescue Master P.L. They're not trying to rescue him. They don't really seem to care much about him.
1: Yeah. They mean,
0: care about that information.
1: Yeah, and I think just the fact that... Just the fact that it becomes... They let it become... Even though they obviously, even though the Jedi obviously do care about Peel, the fact that they let it become about the information, even to the extent that they do, definitely right. It definitely shows something about the Jedi and how they're approaching this in terms of a war mission rather than trying to, rather than trying to get one of their own back.
0: Yeah, um, it, there's that line uh, that Sobek says, which is an interesting line. The Jedi will be coming back for their imprisoned brother, um, but we see that that's really not why they're coming back. They're not coming back because Master PL's in danger. They're coming back. It's it's the from the Zilla Beast again. They're not, they're not um, protecting Malastare to protect Malastare. They're protecting Malastare, um, and they're protecting the Dugs to protect the fuel reserves.
1: Yeah, at one point we even hear Evan P.L. say, "I am." Everyone here is prepared to die to protect the indel. so it's like yeah. they're not just coming for him for the sake of coming for him, and he knows that they all know it.
0: Yeah. So there's this there's this story element that I've always really questioned, and that's this big, this big thing in the uh, arc, which is that Ahsoka was not supposed to come to the Citadel. Anakin thought that it was too dangerous, um, and that it is one of the, it, it was one of the most we see it was one of the most dangerous missin- missions in the entire war yeah but anakin does not let her come because he is he's too attached to ahsoka yeah. and you know he can't seem to let go at this point um yeah we see that kind of but ahsoka like that. feels that anakin is holding her back and, um tr- kind of tricks her way into getting into the mission um she she doesn't trick her way into it that's that's being a little harsh she from a certain point of views it um
1: yeah, yeah. yeah she from a certain point of views her way into the mission for sure I yeah I think it's uh it's for sure interesting um, very interesting conversation I think they both make some good points but ultimately I think it shows like you said kind of how anakin like he he he's super over protective of the people close from him because of his reactions to what's actually to what's already happened with shmi in both the phantom menace and attack of the clones um but i think ultimately it leads him further down the dark path because he gets overprotective protective of his attachments and he ends up you know doing doing terrible things to try and protect
0: the people that he loves. Yeah, it's interesting, I'm thinking about the parallels now, actually, between Anakin and Maul later on. Because Maul does the exact opposite. He pushes everybody away. Um, yeah. he, you know, he's ripped from his mother's arms, as he says. Um, his master, who was, like, the one true, like, father figure he kinda had, like, betrays him.
1: Yeah, it is yeah. um
0: and he spends his entire whole life chasing after the people who have wronged him, um, pushing them away instead of pulling them too close. Um, which is kind of the inverse of what Anakin does. I was thinking about why Ahsoka from a certain point of view is her way onto there. Um and it led me to this uh, like kind of revelation, I guess you could say. Okay. The Citadel is Ahsoka proving herself, like, as a Jedi to the galaxy. And the audience, especially.
1: Yeah, definitely. I
0: mean, mean, like, I know you could say the entire series is that, but this arc in specific is that.
1: Yeah, I I think you're right. I think um, the way she kind of... It seems like a turning point for her character, particularly. The way that she basically straight up says to anakin it's not for you to decide how and when i risk my life because he doesn't want her to risk her life to go on this mission and that's one of the first times i think that's the first time that we see that argument come up but we see that's the first time that we see her say i'm i want to take control of my own life kind of and take control of my destiny so i think you you bring up a very good point that this is kind of a it's a big moment for Ahsoka, I think.
0: Yeah, I'll get back to some of the weird symbolism in this, which I think is awesome. Um, but, yeah. Uh, it, here's a f- another funny quote I love. The Citadel was created to hold Jedi if any of us lost our way. Is it ni- is that ironic to you that a prison supposedly built if Jedi lost their way, could be a sign of the Jedi losing their way.
1: Yeah. I think there's a bit of... I think there's kind of dramatic irony in that it literally... It, it, even though they're they're literally rescuing someone who is a Jedi who lost their way, P.L. lost his way in a literal sense because he ended up getting captured by the
0: Separatists. That's good, too. Yeah. So, That's I mean, good, too.
1: There's... I don't know, I think there's yeah. I think there's layers to that, I don't know.
0: There is. I also I'm also interested to see like because Did the Jedi build it? Did if the Jedi built the Citadel, then what does that say about the Jedi at this point?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: If they didn't build the Citadel, what does that say about the galaxy's perception of the Jedi at this point? If the exactly. Jedi didn't build the citadel, that is a wildly prejudiced move, right there.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It is. It, it is a move like blatantly prejudiced. Um, yeah, and and I find that and find that interesting because if the Jedi and on the other hand, if the Jedi did build it, then it shows the brutal methods like we see the brutal torture methods i mean obviously some of them are controlled by the separatists but like the brutal torture methods and even like the brutal psychological effects of lola sayu and the citadel so what does that say that the jedi were not just willing but eager to hold their own members in such a place
1: yeah yeah that's a great point um i think there's a lot there. Um... But, I don't know. I'd, I'd, that wasn't a part that I considered, but yeah, that's a really good point. Um. Uh, in, in terms, moving on, I guess, um, why would Vader want to test carbon freezing on Han if he himself, as Anakin, had went through it? Is there an explanation I, I, for that? There is an explanation. What is it?
0: This carbon facility is crude.
1: Oh, I forgot about that line. So yeah, it's, it's that, about the that, facility. That, that
0: explains it all of it. Yeah, he's not testing I'm, the f- carbon freezing. He's testing the facility.
1: Because I was, I was thinking, you know, uh, something about the carbon freezing in this Clone Wars episode. I was like, well, <laughs> this doesn't seem quite right. Something's wrong here. And then, yeah, yeah it, it took me a while to realize that. Oh yeah, wait, carbon freezing testing Han, Luke, obviously. Yeah. But yeah,
0: it it was it was because they were apparently short on time, and they just like. You know, they, ha- they had the rebels at an okay carbon fr- freezing facility. Uh, you know, if they if if they could choose anything, they'd choose a good carbon freezing facility, but they didn't have a good carbon freezing facility. It wasn't
1: five stars, it was like three stars. Maybe. It was like a two
0: and a half star. <laughs> two and a half star. Carbon.
1: <laughs> on so what is a second rate? Galactic yield. Because second rate carbon freezing facility? Yeah. Let's talk about the villain. We want to talk about O.C. Sobek. Because, man, he is... Yeah. He is quite something. I I kind of he's a little bit annoying, but I kind of love OC Sobek in these episodes. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm um, not
0: a big as big a fan. I think I feel about OC Sobek the way I think we I think we have reverse feelings about OC Sobek and Riff Tamsin. <laughs>
1: because, <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. We probably do. I know
0: I like Tamson a lot more than you do, and I think I and I think you like Sobek a lot more than I do.
1: Yeah, I um, think. I think he's just the archetypal, kind of, middle management villain of Star Wars. You know, he's not the top rank.
0: That's kind but of he's why still I still has like a it lot worse. of power.
1: Yeah, but he's definitely weighing. He's not like a loose cannon. He's entrenched in the institution. Yeah. And that I don't know. He's just so funny to me. You know, it, it's got all the. He's got all the classic moves. You know, he totally roasts his underlings. He says like. Yeah. Oh, mindless droids, what are you doing? He has complete con- he has complete contempt for his underlings and he just completely I, grovels to Count Dooku. He does the whole oh Count Dooku, what a surprise. I yeah, didn't know you were gonna be calling me, oh my god.
0: That's the thing I've becoming to realize, like it happens with Marash Chantel, it happens with Ozzy Selbeck. it happens with Riff Thompson, it happens with, you know, Sanjay Rash, it happens with Yeah. Name a separatist underling and it happens.
1: It's just like, oh, they're uh, getting wait, uh, super coffee. Like
0: um uh Separatist Underling, I trust you have everything under control. Of course, Count Dooku. We have everything under control here And yeah, Count Dooku's just like,
1: I know you're lying to me. I <laughs> like that's every time it's just <laughs> like even even General Grievous in Epis, in um in the Malevolence Arc, he's just like, Count Dooku, I assure you this ship won't be destroyed, it won't fall into Republic hands, I assure you. And then, of course, it goes and gets destroyed, literally gets launched into a moon at light speed.
0: Yeah. That's one of the things I'm actually I'm actually not in love with with the Clone Wars. And I love this show, but, like, every time it seems like a lot of villains go through these same arcs, like, yeah. Um, yeah, I think O.C. Sobek is definitely... I'm glad, like, it. The, the formula seems to have dropped by season 6. Um, because I don't remember anything like that in season six on. It's Um, a very common formula, to be sure. It is. Very common Um, formula. But, you know, the episodes, most of the time, are pretty good, so it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. Uh, here's something interesting. Yeah. Here's a logistical question I have. Okay. Why don't, why doesn't the Republic do the reprogramming battle droid thing more often? So, uh, the context here is that uh, the Republic, um, in order to infiltrate the c- Citadel, reprograms three battle droids they supposedly probably captured on the scene of battle, um, and reprograms them to serve the Republic, and so they fake uh, being just a regular battle droids shuttle, um, but really land all of the Jedi on to Lola Sayu, where the Citadel is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... I think it's cool. You know me. I love I love B ones. I'm yeah. a B one fanboy, so I absolutely loved seeing a battle droids step up and mm. carry the day during the uh during the landing on Asayu. Um But yeah, I I don't know. That's a good question because it seems like it was pretty. The battle droids were pretty darn effective um, in their role as. You know, being able to sneak them on to the to the platform, on and you the think station. they might be
0: able to save a little bit of money. Didn't they? Yeah, I know. Yeah, you don't have to. And like, you, I don't know. Maybe you don't have really, to deregulate the banks for five million more clone troopers. Maybe. I know. Yeah, I know.
1: I know. Talk about deregulation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just think it, it. It's one of those things that if it got used in the story too many times, I think it just wouldn't be a good. Uh, yeah. It just wouldn't be a, a, a good plot point to use that too many times, and I think it could get pretty gimmicky, but I, I like the inclusion of it here. Felt pretty no, cool. No, absolutely, I do. Felt um, nice. I wish we
0: could. I, I want to see more good battle droids. Yeah. That's what I want to see. I want to see more good battle droids. One of the things I love about this arc, this arc, I'm going to tell you right now, the Citadel arc is my favorite gritty Star Wars.
1: Hmm. I do tell
0: you. It is my favorite, like. You can toss out your Rogue Wands, you can toss out your Revenge of the Sith. No. The Citadel, in my opinion, is the best gritty Star Wars. The Citadel? I mean, like, depends on if you consider, like, Siege of Mandalore gritty Star Wars, which I don't really, because... Yeah, actually, I don't. I wouldn't say R- Revenge of the Sith, it's gritty either. Um, but in terms of, like, boots on the ground, gritty stuff, the Citadel, it, I think, is the best. Because I wouldn't describe Revenge of the Sith or Siege as gritty, I would describe it as tragic, which is a little yeah. bit different. No, yeah, definitely different. But I I don't know. I
1: think it was it it's kinda of yeah. surprised me how dark and how intense it was at that point. It is. Um uh, I I was not I did not remember. After that. they
0: um after they uh escape um uh the prison with all of uh Peel's forces, um a commando druid tells um Sobek they escaped, sir. And then uh, Sobek tells the captain of the squad, this is one of my favorite parts of this episode, um, Captain, show this droid what happens when we use that word. (laughs) And then the captain shoots the commando droid who says they escape, which is both kind of funny and a little bit troubling, because there's that line where... um, where Dooku reprimands, um, um, Grievous in the Malevolence dro- uh, arc about destroying that battle droid, you know, Grievous. These battle droids are expensive.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Imagine how expensive a Citadel commando droid is.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's clear that O C Sobek. You know, he's he, he's a pure-blooded middle management villain. You know, he does not. Yeah. He's not afraid to take out his problems on his underlings, and they uh. Yeah. They pay the price in this episode, and this arc. They they pay a hefty toll for uh, having the Um, misfortune to be assigned to him.
0: Actually, um, I think I've been teasing this a little bit. Um, Can I tell you about my grand metaphor for this arc? I love this. I just figured this out. So you know how I told you that this arc is where Ahsoka most proves herself? Yeah. You might even say, with the environment of Lola Sayu, that this is Ahsoka's trial by fire. Oh, because lava, nice, yeah. Yeah, nice. I it was it's it was an interesting bit of sim, uh, of symbolism that I noticed that the place where I was seeing Ahsoka prove herself the most is the most hellish looking planet ever.
1: Yeah, ever.
0: I mean, like Mustafar, but ever, because even Mustafar, we know this on Must like that Mustafar didn't used to be this way. Yeah um because it was corrupted by the corruption of an instrument known as the Bright Star in the Star Wars VR experience, uh Vader Immortal. Um and in Vader Immortal they uncorrect the corrupt the planet back, and we see a bit of the uncorrupted Mustafar in the Rise of Skywalker at the very beginning when Kylo Ren is killing all of those um cultists on Mustafar. Uh little trivia right there. We do get a small introduction to Tarkin in this episode, and I just want to say that Steven Stanton has done so much to expand Grand Moff Tarkin. Yes, Uh, I mean Will of Tarkin. He's not the Moff yet, but like, I think Steve. I think uh, Tarkin is Steve Stanton's best role that he's ever done in animation, Um, especially in the Bad Batch now. And in Rebels. Yeah, um, I mean,
1: Tarkin's been in animation a lot
0: now. And it's all Steve Stanton doing his magic. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, he's good, yeah. Yeah. He really, he really I mean, sounds... like,
0: it's not like, again, like, there's, you know, my bias comes in with t- uh, Twin Sons Kenobi, which is also Steve Stanton, um, mm-hmm. which is like, for a guy who, like, only had to do Obi-Wan for an episode, he did not have to go that hard. Yeah,
1: he did not hold back. He really, he, he, he did well. He did very well.
0: Yeah. Um, this is, this is a we are officially Steven Stanton's. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry in advance. Um, this podcast is now a Steven, the hosts of this podcast are now Steven Stanton's. Um, anyway, so should just do
1: a complete rebranding, just make it a Steven Stanton fan podcast.
0: <laughs> yep, We already have the name too. Um, yeah. Uh, I also love, um, PL's first lines once they rescue him. Oh, Vivan! What took you guys so long? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, Evan I, PL is a is, badass, man. Yeah, he's funny. He's... he's I like him, man. Of the, like, jet... Like, I often joke that we get a Jedi and Ark. You know what I mean? Yeah, we do. Uh of the Jedi and Ark Jedis, like... Of the Jedi and Ark Jedi, he's, like, I think one of the best um and it makes it even more heartbreaking when he dies
1: in counterattack. the middle segment of our arc we find the heroes uh, escaping the prison uh, they do a lot of walking walking around engaging the battle droids um they go all to and fro trying to find a way off the planet trying to get back to their shuttle um the shuttle is captured or at least it's brought to the main platform. And the battle droids pretend to be captured. Or they pretend to capture R2. That's this episode, right? Yep. Okay. And eventually, um, everyone gets up to the platform. Um and we think they're about to they're about to escape, but then the shuttle gets blown up and Echo is uh killed, in quotes, of course, because killed. he comes back. But he's he's injured, he's out of the battle, um, and, and on the tragic note the episode ends. They're forced to withdraw. And they have to think of another way out.
0: The fortune cookie for this episode is anything that can go wrong, will. It is literally uh, what's known as Murphy's Law. Um, it's hard to argue with that
1: assessment for this episode.
0: Yeah, is... what I One of my main complaints with fortune cookies in the past is that they they say in ten words what could be said in four or five. Um, And this is a straightforward attack fortune cookie that I I really appreciate. Anything can go wrong, will, is also like such a Star Wars thing. Because like, it seems like Star Wars is often raising a lot of the stakes. It's like, you think things can get bad?
1: Nope. They're about to get worse. They're about to get worse. Yeah, 100%. Um, 100%. That's like the Star Wars MO.
0: That is the Star Wars MO. It's not Star Wars until things are going the worst they possibly can. I read my notes um yeah um why don't you start us off on this episode what do you got? yeah
1: um i i liked this episode um it it felt like the plot you know it, it felt like it meandered a bit um because it's... i thought it could have had a little more focus but overall i uh i really liked it um still a good episode feel very bad for uh oc Sobek. Yes. In this one, he starts, um, he, he takes a lot of calls from Dooku, and obviously yeah. Dooku, um, By the way,
0: let me ask you something about that. Not happy at all. Let me ask you about something about that.
1: Alright.
0: How does Dooku have so much time on his hands?
1: Yeah, What well, I, I mean, like, look, I get it's important, but come on, like, how, how many calls can Dooku really make? Like, it's like Dooku's and just like, sitting there the whole time. He's
0: the head of state of, like, a splinter group. Yeah. He can't have that much time on his hands, can he? Yeah.
1: The separatists, I mean, that's some splinter group, man. That's, no some
0: splinter group, yeah. They're like,
1: Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I guess we should probably talk about some Tarkin stuff right now. Uh, one of we my should, fa- yes. one, of, one of the first things Tarkin says in this episode, which I love. I'm beginning to admire the design of this facility.
1: That's that's so indicative of what Tarkin is about. You know, he just likes power, he loves fear. And yeah, yeah fear empowerment.
0: It's it's a it's a, an interesting idea I've heard thrown around in in the Star Wars fanbase that Tarkin like has a turn to the dark side from um from uh the Clone Wars to Rebels. Uh, to the clone, from the Clone Wars to the Bad Batch to Rebels to Finally a New Hope. But I don't think that's accurate. I don't think Tarkin ever turns to the Dark Side. I think Tarkin has to conceal in the era of the Republic a lot of his corruption. But I don't think that corruption isn't... I don't think that means the corruption isn't there. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: There, I, there I think the corruption is is absolutely there, and, it, and it's more of a matter of concealing it. He's playing the same Phantom Menace game that Palpatine is, in a way. Um, yeah. And... And and what's more even more interesting is Anakin's gradual friendship with Tarkin.
1: Yeah. I think that's he has a, a, a very point. It's a very good example of anything that can go wrong will the fact that he just arbitrarily like kind of just just kind of Tarkin shows up, you know, and he starts talking with Tarkin, you know. Of course it's Tarkin. Um I think a little bit of Tarkin's philosophy obviously rubs off on Anakin, and I think in the longer and that kind of pushes him ever so slightly, even more towards the dark side.
0: Yeah, I think there's a, there is a sense that like a lot of the the Clone Wars I felt has had to redeem Anakin a little bit mm. because of how unlikable some fans found him in the prequel trilogy. Yeah. But this was a great reminder that even though we're redeeming Anakin as a character, that doesn't mean we're redeeming him as a person. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That well, he's, Anakin he's still... still is going to turn to the dark side in a few years.
1: Yeah, he still has his fight.
0: A- Anakin is still this tragic hero that we are yeah, have come to know and love. He is still, like, there is no other way this turns out. Anakin sure. is going to turn to the dark side he's going to lust for power. He's going to try to save Padme from death only to end up killing her anyway.
1: Yeah. It's it's, it's how it's it's going to happen. It, yeah. it
0: it's inevitable. You might say it is his destiny. <laughs> um yes. Uh yeah. Um <laughs> I also love the fact that um <laughs> there's I don't know if you saw this um when, remember when Tarkin uh, expresses concern to Rex about having this child lead him them in battle? Yep. And when Rex describes Ahsoka's um, bravery, did you catch Tarkin rolling his eyes in the background? I did,
1: yeah, I know. He's so, <laughs> I love he's so that. sassy. I love oh that god, touch.
0: Dude. It was great.
1: It's like, oh my god, dude, have a little respect. Have some gratitude. Man. I know. Yeah.
0: Um, It's great. It's awesome. But uh, I think, I
1: mean, to be fair, with Ahsoka not knowing to blow the wall, that does show the She wasn't the briefed on the plan. Yeah, they have to blow through this wall. I mean, yeah, she wasn't briefed on yeah. the plan. But why wasn't she briefed on the plan? Maybe because she wasn't actually supposed to come along. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, obviously obviously it's still a good thing that they came along. You know, she becomes the one, she becomes the most important part of the mission in a strange twist of fate, as we'll get to um
0: soon enough in the third episode Um, of this arc one of the interesting things that um, that Tarkin says to I think it's either Anakin or Ahsoka is um, he talks about the Jedi code preventing them from going far enough to achieve victory the very reason why peacekeepers should not be leading a war now he has a point that peacekeepers should not be leading a war. And we've been talking about the idea that peacekeepers leading a war be is a problem is is a problem uh because those two philosophies do not mesh together. Yeah,
1: they really do. Not. But
0: we we have I think not talked enough about how the reason that peacekeepers shouldn't be leading a war is not because they are not good enough at war. The reason why peacekeepers shouldn't be leading a, a war is that they it, should be doing what they're supposed to be doing, is keeping the peace. Yeah, and percent And how, you know, peacekeepers, you know, the Jedi failed at, at their role as peacekeepers, which means the war happened.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think... um it's interesting how the Jedi, I think a lot of them secretly and and to themselves kind of admit, you know, we're not supposed to be generals, we're not cut out for this, we don't want to do this. But then they rankle when Tarkin says it, because he says it not from a place of genuine concern, but from a place of contempt and prejudice against the Jedi.
0: Yeah, and I think that... There's a, there's a part of, um, there's a directing direction that Lucas gives to Hayden Christensen in a behind-the-scenes documentary about, um, Anakin. He's talking about Anakin's psyche in Revenge of the Sith. Um, and he's saying, you know, um, I'm gonna do my best Lucas here. You know, there's this voice inside Anakin that is constantly at every single point saying, what am I doing? And then the other part of his brain is going, you know, I'm doing this for Padme, I'm doing this for me, I'm doing this for us, and all that. But there's always a small part of Anakin that is going, what am I doing? Yeah. And I feel like that's a lot of the Jedi, is that, you know, I'm doing this for the Republic, I'm doing this for peace and democracy. But I think there's parts of the Jedi, the very wise Jedi, the Yodas, the Obi-Wans, eventually it pretty much takes over Ahsoka that goes, what am I doing?
1: Yeah, I think that just shows that that kind of ties in, I think, to how the war had such a demoralizing effect on the Jedi, you know? It really really took them down a notch. It really made them, obviously it made them kind of lose their way, but I think part of that was the demoralization and the kind of feeling of hopelessness that Palpatine set in amongst the Jedi by forcing them to, to
0: and i think the war, the war isn't is a great background for him to do this because the jedi by nature of everything don't have the time to think to yeah. really think to themselves what am i doing yeah they just don't have the time
1: they're, they're caught they're kind of busy.
0: in battles and skirmishes and planning sessions and all of that kind of stuff
1: they don't get to do any of the normal jedi like Kind of meditation and self-reflection
0: younglings in the jedi path book in that source book and in the Inner universe source book which is now legends but you know we're we're doing the um it's not it's not legends and un- it's not can't it's not it's not legends until proven non-canon sort of thing
1: yeah i'm
0: contesting jedi younglings are supposed to meditate five times a day wow the younglings yeah do you think any of these generals have time to meditate five times a day while they're fighting <laughs> wars course
1: not of course not yeah <laughs> yeah
0: um yeah one of the other things i was just looking at is like what i also love about this arc is like that seems like a third to a half of the separatist armada is just in the citadel yeah like there's chilling there like staps crab droids commando droids probe droids separatist mouse droids b2 super battle droids Any droid you can find on series, or at least most any droid you can find on series, probably there. it's going to be there. The one glaring exception I'm thinking of is the aqua droids, which, you know, why would you need to use them? And then they're also, like... Fireproof aqua droids for the lava. Oh, there we go. How about that? How
1: about that? How do you like them apples, eh? (laughs) huh?
0: Citadel Special Edition with...
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Fireproof lava droids. (laughs) So, um... They are, so, the Separatists lure the uh, Republic troops and the Jedi into a trap. Um, they blow up their shuttle. By the way, Star Wars trope. Blowing up the shuttle. Done. Disguising themselves in the enemy. Oh, wait, that's actually done too. <laughs> With the reprogrammed battle droids. Yeah. Events. Done in the first episode. That's pretty good. You got yeah. three out of three there. There's another one that I'm forgetting, but like. But who intercepts the explosion from that ship? Our friend, CT-1409, Echo. Now, right. at the time, we thought Echo died on Loa Lasayu. However, so since sad. then, it's been revealed that somehow Echo returned. <laughs> um, Echo, we we saw Echo in actually a quite Palpatine-esque contraption on the planet of Skakel Minor, in uh the clone wars season 7 episode 2 called a distant echo um yeah echo is indeed found it's interesting because i was thinking like it kind of takes the emotional impact out of echo's death because we know that he's going to survive you know what i mean but then yeah, i started I know what you mean. Yeah. but then i started looking at it in a different way which is interesting which is that echo did die on Lola Sayu. The Echo we knew died on Lola Sayu.
1: To, to all his friends, he was dead.
0: No, and what I mean is, like, the Echo we see on Skaggle Minor and then the Echo we see later on... Different people. ...is not the same Echo that died on Lola Sayu.
1: That, yeah, that, that's
0: fair. A, right. that's a right. part of Echo died on Lola Sayu. I'm not saying that to try and excuse, like, them bringing back Echo to life. I just find it interesting. That, you know, Echo. It's made very clear in that episode of the bad, ba- uh, not of the bad Batch, of season seven of the Clone Wars in the bad bad arc in Unfinished Business, yeah, um, which is that final episode. That Echo isn't the same since what the Separatists did to him. Yeah, he's changed. He's a changed man. Um, yeah.
1: And I'm I mean, look, what you'd be, a, you'd be a changed man too if someone stuck you in a giant refrigerator and then tried to plug in, like, USB ports into, like, random places on your body. <laughs> you too know, bad man? he didn't
0: have the energy of a dyad in the Force still.
1: Yeah, too bad. I mean, it almost makes <laughs> Just me wonder... To lose do you think Palpatine in, in um The Rise of Skywalker <laughs> used that technology that was being developed by the Echo experiment? You know, it kind of looked similar, you know, a little tangle of cables You here, know,
0: there. I mean...
1: Not such a crazy idea, in my opinion.
0: Well... I will say that Beaumont says it's dark science cloning secret only the Sith knew. He never yeah, mentioned the Techno Union. <laughs> what? Dark what? Science cloning Secrets only the Techno use union, union knew. Look, I mean And be, good music. To be
1: to be, fair, <laughs> to be fair to be fair, the Techno Union was part of the separatists. Separatists obviously controlled by the Sith. So you never know. You never know.
0: <laughs> that's like saying that the Martez sisters were part of the Jedi because the Martez sisters were by the Republic and the Jedi were part of the Republic, oh but the Techno Union is part of the. Semantics. I know, I'm what joking. I'm joking mostly. Oh yeah, man. Okay, okay. Mostly, anyway. mostly, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we really uh, deserve it. Okay, and Stynadel rescue. It is made clear to Jedi forces that Anakin, Ahsoka, P.L. Tarkin, and Obi Wan, and the rest of the forces are gonna need a pickup, so they arrange for. Um, for public forces to engage separatist ones to create a diversion so that uh they can uh pick up uh the forces and the intel on the planet of Lulisayu. Um, Dooku gets really mad at Osi Sobek, and so Sobek goes to finish the job personally. This all comes to a head when he sends Anuba hounds. After the, uh, oh, after the Republic and the Anuba Hounds eventually ravage and kill Master P.L. who dies, but not before telling his half of the information to Ahsoka. Um, uh, they get off of Lola Sayu safely. Ahsoka reveals her half of the information as Master P.L. wanted. He g- gives her half of the information to the Jedi Council, and Tarkin delivers his half of the information directly to Chancellor Palpatine. Um, and that's the arc right there. Um, the fortune cookie is, without honor, victory is hollow. Well, it's true. <laughs> we discussed this earlier on, you know. It's
1: definitely the Jedi point of view, I'd say.
0: It is. and But, like, you know, I again, even though... I'll say this. Even though the the point of the prequel trilogy is that the Jedi are flawed, they're still the good guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I think it's unfair to say it's the Jedi point of view. I think, like, because I think all of them are the Jedi point of view. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. But I think the Jedi actually stick to that. Whereas Tarkin says, like, I'll do whatever it takes. And...
0: Actually, I would I would not agree with you there. I think mm-hmm. one of the problems with the clone work is the Jedi are forced to stray away from that more often than not.
1: Yeah, but at least they try. Like, they, they yeah, want to. Yeah. Tarkin doesn't but, want to. He makes that abundance. They trade. try,
0: though I seem to remember a certain Jedi saying, and I'm not using this for cheesiness factor, I'm really saying, a certain Jedi Master, I seem to remember saying, do or do not. <laughs> there is no try. Seriously, I, like... I don't think it's enough for the Jedi to try to have honor. I think you have honor or I think you don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Perhaps. Um yeah. So it's it's interesting to me. Um, by the way, um, uh, I'd like to um point out to you the last part of my um symbolism. About Ahsoka's like trial by fire. You know what? A trial by fire can't be complete without a funeral. Nope. A trial by fire cannot be re- complete without releasing the dogs of war. The literal dogs yes, of the war. Literal, yeah,
1: the literal. The Anubah hounds. Oh my gosh, the Anuba hounds in this. So annoying. They're so creepy. Oh, I mean, we gotta they have the giant fang that's like the size of a bicep, like yeah. a, a bodybuilder's bicep just sticking out the front of their lower jaw, no symmetry. Oh gosh. I mean, and the fact that they they kill they kill Evan Piel, that's just like yeah. come on, no. Well, you're just trying to hurt us at this point. Come on, Clone Wars, you're just trying to hurt me. Like, yeah. I, oh man, I I was genuinely Evan PL's death and his funeral is legitimately so sad. Like I feel like I didn't even we didn't even get to know this character barely at all in the Clone Wars, and when he dies, it's just it's, it's so tragic. emotional. It's tragic. You know, you really yeah. get the sense of like, man, we came all this way. We've risked so many lives. We've we've already lost and, so many lives. And, and we see happens.
0: the the intelligence not the intelligence, but like the the wisdom of Master PL because he knows Ahsoka wasn't part of this mission. You know yeah, what I mean? He
1: knows. He knows
0: 100%. But he doesn't care.
1: No, he is. He just... He just has that benevolent energy. He's one of those...
0: What, what matters, he's one of those Jedi's... What, what matters like to Master... Act. What matters to Master Peel is that Ahsoka is a Jedi who he knows he can trust with the information. Yes. That's what matters in the end. Um. Yeah... It, it is... Uh, you know, Ahsoka stares death in the face several times with um, Echo and Master Peel and all of those people dying around her. You know, it's part of, again, her trial by fire. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and she eventually also proves her worth not only by carrying the information, but also by killing Osi Sobek at the end of the episode. Um... Speaking of Silbeck, I'd like to um talk about Sobek as well, which I think is interesting. Why does Ahsoka kill Silbeck? Because Sobek is holding up Tarkin. If I can't have the information, then no one can.
1: I mean, it seems kind of self-explanatory. It's, I mean, you know, Sobek's the villain, he's
0: Yeah. He it's, seems it's, but it's like fast spiteful type. It's fascinating to me because he knows, because Dooku tells him in those, like, trademarked villain calls. Dooku tells him how incredibly important this information is. Yeah. But Sobek, instead of, you know, Sobek, I mean, this is obvious, but, like, you know, Sobek doesn't have loyalty. No, yeah so he, he also chooses... just doesn't
1: he never <laughs> takes dooku as seriously as he, he should
0: and but he chooses self-preservation over the cause
1: yeah or the, like what he, he says at one point inform Count Dooku i am unreachable like a minute ago you I were think... just groveling to him on your last call come on dude that's a good no. idea that's
0: a really good idea yeah.
1: What could possibly go wrong? Count Dooku loves to get... What could possibly go wrong? I, Count loves could get, go I know wrong. Count Dooku loves to get put on hold. He's a very... He has so much humility, you know? Though
0: he does have quite a bit of time on his hands, as we've seen.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. He does. Certainly. Certainly. I mean... I mean... Yeah, wow. Um, man, this, this episode, though, so good. The ending action sequence... Oh my gosh! It's it's it's, it's, top it's fantastic, tier. yeah. Um, Although I kind of wish he had at least chucked Tarkin in the lava before he uh he he went out. And then,
0: then they wouldn't have both halves of the information. I know, but like, but then again, on, I, I I Tarkin. will like, I will say this though, like at the end of the day, you know that Palpatine would find a way to get yeah. both halves of the information, and then you, know, he, you know, but
1: like tar- no Tarkin. No, no, no coordinates, no hyperspace, no hyperspace lane, no battle of Coruscant, no battle of Coruscant, no kidnapping the Chancellor, no kidnapping wait, wait, the wait, Chancellor. Wait, 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 wait. You think the no Nexus Kalajuku route is dying?
0: You think the Nexus route is how they managed to?
1: I'm I'm pretty sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure in canon, it, I I think it is. I know in Legends, I know it's not.
0: But, like, but in canon, interesting... I think I
1: think it's a very good chance. I maybe I misinterpreted it, but. The way I interpreted it, I thought they were like heavily point point nudge. There, I thought they were heavily like nudge nudge, wink wink, when they said it goes straight from the core separatist world straight to Coruscant.
0: That's it. I like. I I actually quite like that idea. I'm not gonna That'd be lie. Cool, yeah. I That'd like be cool. that idea, um, and I like that the idea of the whole futility of this arc because that means like, because because you know. Palpatine got both halves of the information. He then gave them information to the Separatists under his guise as Darth Sidious. Yeah. So this arc ultimately meant nothing.
1: As as does almost everything. Yeah, in the it plays it ultimately into Palpatine's
0: seventy chess game.
1: And I think, in terms of if we're talking about the Jedi losing their way, I think again that shows the Jedi are in a very tough spot because no matter what they do. They've already been boxed in. Like Sidious has already just like completely messed them up
0: too much yeah. to come back from. Uh, I'd like to come to a quote, um, that Palpatine tells uh the newly minted Darth Vader in the middle of Render the Sith, um, when he's giving him orders to go to the Jedi Temple and wipe out the Jedi there. There's that very, very famous quote that he says. Do what must be done, Lord Vader. Do not hesitate. Yeah. Show no mercy. This entire arc is a gigantic measure of how far the Jedi will go and how far the Republic will go to do must, what must be done.
1: Yeah, and Anakin's willing to go pretty far
0: as we can As, as see Palpatine it. tells him. Don't hesitate. Show no mercy. Go. That's basically Palpatine's admitting to Vader. Go all in. Don't worry about the consequences. Do what you feel needs to be done to complete the mission. There's that, you know, without honor, victory is hollow, the fortune cookie. There's that quote from uh, Lair of Grief is at the end. In this war, a danger there is of losing who we are. How far are you willing to go to get what you want. That is, uh, you know, we see people like Osi Sobek, like Wilhuff Tarkin. You know, we'll see, um, we'll see Tarkin order a squad led by Crosshair in the early missions of the Bad Batch. Um, uh, in sorry, in the early episodes of the Bad Batch, we'll see Tarkin order, um, a squad led by Crosshair, um, to eliminate, the, uh, the saws camp on Onderon. We see Targon order the batch with Crosshair to do the same thing. With the batch, they decide yeah. to hesitate and to show mercy.
1: And end up paying for that, unfortunately.
0: But th- but th- they protect their morality. Crosshair does it the, the other time around, and he, and he and he does it, and he and he and he does not hesitate. He shows no mercy. They wipe out that entire camp. They kill them all. Yeah. And you know, Crosshair in that moment, I mean, he's already lost who he is, literally, because that inhibitor chip is the only thing controlling him now. Yeah, he
1: literally doesn't really have free will. Yeah, as long as the inhibitor chip is working.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's this very it's a it's a very Clone Wars esque theme of push and pull of desires and morality yeah 100 um yeah uh that's all i got um let's you want to do a, a quick a little ranking of these three episodes oh yeah man
1: these were some good episodes they these were, were, these I, were way better than i remembered but these were these were exciting through and through
0: i think this is probably my most rewatched arc of season three I feel like I come back to these episodes the most. Even though Mortis is probably my favorite, I think I've re- I've watched The Citadel the most times. Well, what's your ranking? I'm going to go with at the top, The Citadel, uh, in the middle, of The Citadel Rescue, and uh, at the bottom, Counterattack.
1: attack mm, Yeah, I think my favorite was Citadel Rescue, followed by Counter-Attack, and then Citadel at the bottom. But they were all...
0: They were all fantastic. I
1: thought they were all tremendous, very, very good episodes. Definitely one of my very favorites from Season 3.
0: Absolutely. I think, again, other than Mortis, I think these are probably my favorites of Season 3. Um, yeah. Um. Let's get to everybody's favorite part of Star Wars in a Galaxy. What you've brought me today is worth one quarter portion.
1: we got everybody's favorite one quarter portion.
0: Six, Six degrees, degrees of, of Star, Star Wars. Wars. So um, we have a special treat. Um, in honor of us recording in person again, um, we are doing an extra six degrees. There's your bonus three. round. Yeah, we have three each today.
1: Eli, could you please link in six steps or less for me? L three thirty seven and TC fourteen.
0: Ah, okay. The two most famous female droids, probably in. Uh, the in Star Wars, TC fourteen, Obi Wan Kenobi, Han Solo, L three three seven. Ooh, all right. Or wait, no. Actually, yeah, that's the best I can do. Yeah. All right. Okay. Got um in honor of a recent bad batch episode, um. We'll do um Rafa Martez, Ooh. and Snap Wexley. Rafa Martez
1: and Snap Wexley. Rafa. Ahsoka.
0: I'd go Ahsoka as well. Yeah.
1: Leia. Wait, did Ahsoka ever meet Leia in um? We
0: we can't we can't. Dang it! We can't do that. Man, I
1: was thinking in Rebels, but no. Okay. Yeah. Um, Rafa. Ah, A um
0: Obi Wan uh, I, I, I I figured out one like Obi Wan
1: mm. Han Solo Leia
0: Poe oh, Snap. You can you can remove Poe in there because I oh, yeah, and snap. snap. But oh, I I, I yeah. got a slightly easier one, but okay. it's from uh it involves a comic, but I don't think you'll mind. Yeah. Rafa, Ahsoka, Obi Wan, Luke, Shara Bay, who is the That doesn't work. Shara Bay is not the mother of Snapbox. So Shara Bay is the mother of Poe Dameron. Ooh. Dang it. Um Wait what? No. Rafa, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, Han, Wedge, Snap Wexley. That works. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Snap's mom, Nora, and, P- and Wedge, date. So Wedge knows Snap, because he's kind of like a stepdad. Yeah. Anyway, right. okay, that works. Okay, okay. For you, we have that was way harder than I thought it was gonna be. Pardon? That was way harder than I thought
1: it was gonna be. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. I was like, "Oh, it's easy." Oh no, it's not. Omega, Omega, and Kazuda Ziono.
0: Oh, the two, the two lesser. Um, the two
1: cocky youngins of the TV shows.
0: Omega, um, I have to say that every single time. Omega, um, we'll go with. Um, shoot, this is gonna be... This is gonna be... Uh, it, it's This is along the lines of Rafa and Snap. Yeah, this, um, this is a hard one, Omega, actually. Omega... Um, wait, I just thought of something. Omega Hunter. Anakin. Leia.
1: Kaz. Did Anakin ever consciously meet Leia, though? Okay, sure. Oh, I guess Vader, yeah. I mean, but like, Vader,
0: if you count it, if Anakin, but I I could also just go Anakin, Padme, Leia, Kaz.
1: Yeah, okay. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Alright, what do you got for me now?
0: Look how old you've become. Something far worse has happened happened to you.
1: you. That is the best I I swear that's the best line. I when I when I heard that for the first time in the theaters, my I that was that scene was just jaw dropping for me.
0: Lor San Tekka and Dryden
1: Voss. Lor San Tekka. If you, Dryden you fail Vos. If you Vos. fail. we'll
0: okay. Be all out of options.
1: Okay, I got this. I got this. Lor San Tekka, Kylo Ren Han solo Dryden Voss. Let me let me guess. You didn't think of that. You thought of something more complicated when you were No, I didn't up.
0: actually think of it, so I was I was I didn't think any of these through, so anyway, yeah, but good either. good job, good job, good job, good job. Uh go nice. ahead with your third one for me. All right.
1: It's interesting. The two uh the two Mandalorian matriarchs. Please connect Ursa Ren and the Armorer.
0: Oh, I thought you were gonna with uh Bo Katan. No, um, I wasn't. Uh, Ursa That would be a
1: good one, no. Don't be too easy.
0: Does Ursa ever meet Bocatan? Because this, I no it's gonna be really easy.
1: I don't think Ursa. I don't think we ever see Ursa Damn. meet Bocatan. Ursa. I I imagine they would, given that they're basically both aristocrats. But
0: I I could go. I could do this. I'm, I I want to find an easier way, but I could go Ursa, Ezra, Ahsoka, Din, Armor.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a pretty that's a pretty good way. Yeah, can't get much simpler than that.
0: You can't. Um. I'm trying to think if you could do anything with Cara Dune or something like that. I don't think you can. No, you can't. I think that's right. the simplest. Way. I think. I think that's um, it. Um, this is an interesting one. Um. Uh, we get to one of my favorite villains of Star Wars: The Clone Wars, Mister Riff Tamsin. Oh, Shark Man! All right. Shark Man, I like and, it. And, um, Mister Cassio Tag. Cassio Tag. Is that General Tag? It is General Tag. General Tag. From uh, the conference room scene. Okay, the
1: conference room scene.
0: Okay. If it helps you at all. Riff
1: Tampson, Cassio, Tag.
0: If it helps you at all, I can look up information on this if you need to. Tag is revealed to have survived the Battle of Yavin and goes on to serve the Empire for another year before dying at the hands. Well, at the Force Choke hands of Darth Vader.
1: Wait, he's on board the Death Star and he survives? He
0: is not on board the Death Star. He leaves. Oh.
1: Oh. Okay, oh, 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 okay. Okay, okay.
0: He's the one Imperial in the room who...
1: He's is the one who's kind of like, Hey, we should pump the brakes. ...with the yeah. Rebels.
0: And he leaves. Um, But the arrogant Tarkin doesn't. Um, So, yeah. And in the comics, Palpatine is like, Hey, Vader! You really screwed up with this whole Death Star thing. And Vader's like, me? It wasn't my fault, it's Tarkin's fault. And Palpatine's like, okay, great, I'm gonna punish Tarkin now. Oh, wait, Tarkin died. So, who is left? You, I'm gonna punish you. And he's like, seriously? And he's like, yeah. Tag over here, Tag was smart, Tag left. So I'm gonna promote him over you and Vader didn't like that. <laughs> so eventually <laughs> after he got too fed up with it He just executed the tag <laughs> via force
1: check. <laughs> oh Wow Savage
0: Yeah, okay. Anyway,
1: yeah, okay. Um, so it's tag. I always thought it was taggy, but tag yep. makes tag. more sense So it's tag and Tamsin riff Tamsin. Okay. Okay. Okay Tag Hmm Okay. Oh. No. Mm. Uh-oh. Do you know if Leia... Wait. Do you know if Padme ever met Tarkin?
0: Yes, but I have an easier way. I just figured out in my head. Dang it.
1: Oh, gosh. I don't know if I'm gonna know your way. Okay, okay. Um. Riff Tamson. Did Riff ever properly meet Jar
0: Jar? Uh. don't know. I I don't think so.
1: Okay. Okay, um. Rift Tamson Um Akbar. No, Akbar never really. Mm.
0: There's Rift
1: Padme.
0: Go for another main character. That's my advice. I don't
1: yeah. I thought I'm not I'm not allowed. Am I not allowed am I allowed to use the Skywalker Vader Bridge?
0: You're not, but you might be allowed to use another main character.
1: Jeez, I feel like I'm overlooking something. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. oh, wait, exactly wait, wait, okay. okay. Um, <laughs> Riff Tamsen.
0: Not Anakin,
1: but maybe. Padme. Not Palpatine.
0: Tag. I mean, that could work, but I was just, mm. can I tell you uh, the way I figured it yeah, out?
1: What, what, what were you thinking?
0: Riff Tamsen, Ahsoka Tano, Darth Vader. Tag.
1: Oh, right. Oh, nice, 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 nice. Because
0: we can take that that encounter yeah, then, on Malachor.
1: Yeah, the encounter on Malachor just, like, changes everything. I feel like, like this game is just going to become easier and easier every time there's a new piece of Star Wars content.
0: Especially, Bad Batch is making this surprisingly easy because it's Cause connecting so cameos. Because it's connecting with, like, everybody. Like, it's already pretty easy because of Cut and because of Oh my god, I'm so stupid. I'm like, oh wait, when Rex premieres in the Bad Batch, it's going to get so much easier. But then I realize, Rex has already met the Bad Batch. Yeah. It's already exactly that easy. Yeah. Um, what this is showing, everyone, is that the Star Wars galaxy is so incredibly interconnected. I hesitate to use the- fr- I've heard this phrase co- going around- I've heard the the idea that the galaxy feels small. I, which... I agree
1: I kind of agree. At least in terms of the characters who just constantly seem to be out of the trillions and out of the quadrillions of sentient beings in the galaxy, these characters constantly bump into one another.
0: i I, I, I see I see where that argument's coming from. I don't agree that that says the galaxy is small. I, I, I think that that's saying that the galaxy is. The galaxy works, I guess you could say, like in mysterious ways. And that, yeah. like.
1: The galaxy does. It definitely works in mysterious ways.
0: And I think that, like, people who are powerful enough eventually meet other people who are powerful enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know. What people you mean. who are important enough eventually meet people who are important enough um, and yeah, uh anyway um, that's gonna be it for this episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy, thank you so much for listening as always um, next week is going to be our last episodic episode of uh, season six of Star Wars in a Galaxy did I get that right? yeah, season six why did I think, otherwise, anyway next week is gonna be the last episodic episode of season six of Star Wars in a Galaxy we are going to be looking at Final arc of season three of the Clone Wars, and that is going to be the what I call the Trandosha arc, uh, the two episodes of Padawan Lost and Wookiee Hunt. Um, until then, uh, please check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Anchor and G- Google Podcasts and Radio Public, anywhere you listen to podcasts, we will be there. Um, you can s- subscribe to us on YouTube. Star Wars in a Galaxy is the name of our channel. Uh, follow us on Twitter at in a Pod, Instagram at Star Wars in a Galaxy. Um, please um, email us at galaxy at gmail.com. Send us your hot takes and your questions and your Six Degrees of Star Wars. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Five-star rating and review, please. It really does help our visibility. Um, and until next time, may the Force be with you. Always.